GM, GM, welcome to Web3 Academy. It is the weekly roll-up where we run down all the top news in Web3. Everything you need to know from the past week to make sure you look cool, sound cool in front of your boss, in front of your friends. You know, you can explain Web3 to your mom. I'm Jay Bird, and this is Kyle Reedhead. And our goal here at Web3 Academy is to help entrepreneurs, businesses, and creators explore and learn how to use Web3 to transform business models and build thriving communities. On today's show, we've got some hot topics coming at you. We got the ETH merge. It's merge day. Happy merge day. We got Starbucks is launching their NFT loyalty program. I'm putting NFT in quotes. It's not using the word NFT. It's their loyalty program. Google is getting into Web3, jumping in on the fun. We got a correction from last week on semi-fungible tokens. And then we're going to wrap up with our NFT of the month. You're going to want to stick around for that. Some exciting stuff coming at you this week. Kai, what's up, my man? Not much. Just living the dream. Another big, big week in Web3 as per usual. As per usual. As per usual. Well, What's uh, what's something you're grateful for this week, Kyle? Oh, this week I am grateful for the Web3 Academy community uh, and also the Web3 Academy DAO, which is, I mean, kind of the same thing. Uh, the DAO was born out of the community, um, but just been having a lot of conversations with members from in there that have been with us for a while, have been following along the podcast for a while, get a lot of good feedback from them. DAO's been working hard to kind of get on their feet to figure out their direction. Uh, it's been really, really cool to kind of watch this all play out and just, you know, get to know all these people um, around the world, to be honest. Um, so it's really, really cool. Uh, also, along with that, we're trying to treat our community with a Lens protocol handle uh, due to our partnership with Lens. And <laughs> we keep getting rugged. Uh, I mean, not rugged, we keep getting spammed. Um, we'll show you guys later in the show. Um, we basically are not going to mention it anywhere else but on here. And we're going to show you the last thing you now have to do. I'm really sorry. Um, but we, we now have 55,000 followers on Lens Protocol, which is the largest, uh, largest profile on Lens by like more than double. Um, so obviously we can't whitelist 55,000 people and break everything. So we're going to do one more thing that's going to help and hopefully we can get you guys what you deserve. So I'm grateful for all of you and sorry to put you through all this. Just one more thing. Stick with us. You're going to get your Lens handle. Sorry that it's taken so long, <laughs> but understand this is a problem that we are all dealing with of web three right now is there's I mean, web two, of, too. Yeah, yeah, it's not true. Just three, but yeah, it's just a lot of, there's a lot of spammers. There's a lot of people trying to, you know, a lot of bots out there that are just trying to get whitelisted, trying to get on top of all these various platforms and it's not Take advantage of opportunities. What's your gratitude, Jay? I am grateful for my fiance Sam's family, and they are all here right now. Uh, love, love. Thankfully, we all get along and love. I love my in-laws, uh, and I love, I love Sam's uh, brother and uh, uh, his wife. Uh, and so they're all here right now. So we got a full house, and the reason they're all here is they're helping us renovate our home. Uh, so yesterday, I actually had to leave uh, the home. I felt super guilty because they're all like working on the house and renovating. And I left to go to a cafe to do my, our work. And, and I came back and 
came back, there was new flooring installed in the house. The outside of the house was painted. Uh, so shout out to Gord, Jane, Nick, and Julie. Thank you so much for uh, allowing me to run a business while you guys renovate our home. <laughs> <laughs> very grateful, very grateful. Super lucky. Kai, what's the Web3 word of the week? I mean, of course it's merge. We merged. We did it. We're we here. We did it. We finally, I mean, we yes. didn't do it, but someone did it. I'm, <laughs> great, I'm grateful for those people that, that did it for us. And uh, we're finally there. There's no more proof of work. Uh, we have moved on to proof of stake. Uh, and here's a tweet from Vitalik, which says, the merge will reduce worldwide electricity consumption by 0.2%. That's pretty significant, man. That's crazy. Um I mean, yeah. I don't know what, if Bitcoin went to proof of stake, I wonder what that would reduce by, but 0.2, that's a very large amount uh, considering it's the entire world's electricity grid. So hopefully that gives us some nice, um, some nice, you know, PR uh, that, hey, mm -hmm. crypto is actually doing things here, trying to reduce uh, electricity consumption in the world. But yeah, it, we did it. We did it this morning. Uh, well, morning for me, I don't know what time it would have been for you. I'm in Europe. So it was at, I think, 9 a.m. ish is when it happened. Mm -hmm. Um, and it happened with basically no issues at all. And we're all good. And what's Smooth funny is sailing. you wake up and it's kind of like a birthday where it's this big <laughs> thing. You talk about it, you think about it all year. And then you wake up, you're like, well, it's just another normal day. <laughs> I mean, nothing really changes in my day to day anyway. Um, I'll tell you what does change though. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see we have ultrasound.money, the website up, which has been tracking a lot of um, the ETH issuance. So uh, we actually did Twitter spaces yesterday as well, where we talked a lot about the tokenomic changes in Ethereum. And um, one of the big things is it reduces its inflation rate by like 90%, which is pretty insane. Mm -hmm. So you combine that with EIP 1559, which is the, the burn. So when there's transactions, it burns some of the ETH. Uh, and the idea was we were supposed to be deflationary. So Bitcoin has 21 million, that's it. Well, Ethereum is actually just, it doesn't have a set number. It's actually just going to go down and down and down, making it very... Um, uh, uh, what's the word they're looking for? Scarce. And so mm -hmm. since this morning, I mean, for me recording, it's now five o'clock. So it's been less than 12 hours and we have already decreased the supply, the total supply of Ethereum by 159 ETH. Uh, and you can watch it live on ultrasound.money. Um, so that is super cool. Exactly what we uh, planned on happening uh, is currently happening. Now, at the same time, the price is absolutely dumping. I don't know if you saw it before we started getting on this recording here. So, I mean, hey, supply and demand dynamics, we always talk about and how this matters. Uh, not today, it doesn't, but that's okay. It is what it is. We are well, thank mistake. Thankfully, we also live in, in, a, in a current macro environment that is not, not the greatest. And, and as well, a, a media... Uh, a media that controls the narrative and right. you know we're, we're we're feeling that but this is i this can't be understated is the the supply change here you look can at, see on this 161 now at, we burned look, look we've at, lowered two ETH since we started talking about this yeah look at this look at this chart before so this is uh yeah it was increasing a lot 5 a.m so this is in the one hour the one hour before we we switched. We we added one thousand over one thousand ETH in yeah. supply in one hour. And so now we're going down. And now That's we're going crazy. down. So yeah, it's uh, 
Huge and switch. we reduce the world's electricity consumption by 0.2%. I mean, yeah, which can't, 0.02, 0.02, which can't be, uh, right. oh no, it's a 0.2, 0.2, you're right. 0.2, 2, man, 0.2. There's going to be a lot of, I think that the big take here is what's going to be the impact over the next few months on the number of enterprise that are going to enter into web three because one of the big, one of the major things stopping them was the environmental impact. And they didn't want, you know, something, somebody like, I mean, is it, is it, I, the fact that Starbucks is entering right now, is that because they saw this coming, right? Like, I think that there is, there's definitely some enterprises that will be coming to the space. So very yeah, I wonder how long that takes to like play out. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, we know there's this kind of supply and demand shock with Ethereum. We know that re reducing the uh, carbon footprint is going to allow more people, more businesses to come in. Like, does that happen immediately? Were they ready for it? Or were they like, let's not even start thinking about it until they actually successfully do the merge. So now it's mm -hmm. like, okay, it works. Mm -hmm. Now we start to plan and build, which means we're a year out, you know, or were they already mm -hmm. planning? I don't know. Uh, I guess we'll we'll have to see. I mean, it's a good guess on Starbucks. You know, they launched like what two days before this happened. Uh, speaking of launching, um, here's Ethereum proof of work. I have their uh, we have their Twitter up, um, and uh, they are now live. They went live like literally like an hour ago. So there is a proof of work chain. Uh, it's called ETHW Mainnet. Um, that's about all I know. The symbol is ETHW. Wait, wait well, hold up one sec, Kai. Hold up, hold up. What is what is Ethereum proof of, proof of work? Yeah, so this is basically the miners that were originally um, validating or, or um, securing the, the Ethereum network. Well, they have mm -hmm. all been shut off and now we just use proof of stakes, right? So all those right. miners all around the world, their, their, um, their equipment is essentially useless. So they all banded together and said, hey, let's just fork Ethereum and we'll just keep mining. But this one will be called ETHW. And they just basically duplicate everything that's on that um, on the existing blockchain, uh, and they just continue on down this route. And they so they just forked it, and so they continue to earn ETH, but it's now ETHW, and that price will be very different than what normal ETH is. We'll see. Maybe it's more. Maybe it's less. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on the markets and what they decide. Uh, now I've we've talked about this before, like everyone is supporting proof of stake. So you can assume that proof of work will just go down. Proof of stake will continue doing what it's doing. Mm -hmm. um, but we'll see. So this thing is now live. Um, as for like, can you go and dump your tokens? Uh, I don't know how to do that yet. It's still too early. I saw something, I think Kobe tweeted that it's on, um, it's on Binance or no, sorry. It's on FTX, uh, the token. So you can actually get your airdrop there. I don't know if this is true though, but if you do have an FTX account, I'd go check that out. Um, and, uh, you might be able to get, I think it's just ETH at that point. Uh, but when you click on like mainnet ether scan here or ETHW scan, it's, um, the server's down. So I think too many people are trying to get onto it. So they couldn't even support, uh, what's going on right now anyway. So it's kind of a shit show for most people. Honestly, I would recommend you just don't touch it because there's also probably gonna be a lot of yeah. scams and phishing links and things like yeah. that. And just like, don't get greedy here and try to double your funds. Like the chances of that happening is gonna be very slim. Um, just keep keeping on and probably just forget about yes. this. I completely agree. I think that's the best advice. It's just do nothing because the odds are the odds are not in your favor here that, yeah. that it goes well. <laughs> too much risk. Too much yeah. risk. Agreed. So let's move on. Let's move on to bigger and better things.
Starbucks is getting into Web3. Kai, tell us about Starbucks. What are they doing? Do, do you drink Starbucks, Jay? Uh, should are we you drink Tim should Hortons? We, should we smash Starbucks before we before we talk about what Starbucks is doing in Web3? I don't know if we want to do that. No, I do not. I do not drink not Starbucks. Drink I used to be a big Starbucks fan, but not anymore. Uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, being in Europe, I don't think I'll ever go back to like Tim Hortons, Starbucks, any of that kind of stuff. I like, legit, I mean, I've also lived in South America for a long time, and they have amazing coffee there too. So I'm a bit of a coffee snob. Um, so yeah, I don't typically drink Starbucks either. But anyway, I appreciate and love everything Starbucks is doing to bring and onboard normies into the world of Web three. Uh, so Starbucks brewing revolutionary Web three experience for its Starbucks reward members. Um, so basically, what is happening here? is uh, it's called Starbucks Odyssey and they are creating a, a rewards program for their um, for their customers. So it's mm-hmm. basically right in within the Starbucks app and uh, and you're going to be able to earn or buy uh, NFTs. Now they're not calling it NFTs. So similar to what Instagram did where they call it digital collectibles, Starbucks is calling them stamps. And what mm-hmm. Starbucks says here is that people using these rewards, they won't even know that they are using the blockchain. And I absolutely love that. That was like one of the first things that I read in this, um, yep. uh, in their sort of report that they put out here. So they will earn what's called digital stamps, which are actual NFTs. So what's interesting here is like the users themselves will have no idea that they're NFTs, but you can go and like track and see how well this program's going by looking at Etherscan, well, Polygon scan. So you can see like on chain what's happening here but the users don't even realize that they're doing it on chain. So that's actually a really cool concept that I'm excited to like dive into and look into. Basically what's happening though is they have digital quests, which gamify the Starbucks and coffee consumer experience to earn these stamps. So you can also purchase the stamps via a Starbucks marketplace. So they've literally created an NFT marketplace, mm-hmm. uh, but you can buy them with a credit card and you don't need a wallet. So is, there is no wallet set up here. It's just all done in the back end for you. Uh, which is quite interesting. Now, what happens is these NFTs basically are worth a certain amount of points. And based off the points that you get, you can have different experiences and do different things. So some of the examples where you can join a virtual espresso making uh, class, you can get Starbucks merch. Um, There's even, I think uh, you can get a trip to, I think it was Costa Rica to see how the coffees are brewed and, and grown. So there's some pretty cool things here. And the whole idea here is that they're just trying to make a very different experience for their community and for their members. Um, But it's not about, so they have two different programs. They have, um, somewhere in here, they should show the breakdown. If you can scroll down, there's an image and they have a a loyalty program and then a rewards program, I think. So basically one of their programs is just like, you know, you buy enough coffees, you get a free coffee. So that's not what this is. This is if you do certain things like, I don't know, go into a store and do X. Like there's just certain, like they gamify it. Mm -hmm. If you do those, you can collect these NFTs. They're worth points, which allow you to claim certain things uh, in Starbucks. So pretty cool what they're doing here. It's very different. Uh, We haven't really seen this on this scale. This is going to be massive. Um, And they've done this and launched it on Polygon. Uh, And one of the interesting things, speaking of the merge, uh, is that they announced, so they, they put this in bold somewhere in here and they said, we put it on Polygon. Uh, which is a proof of stake chain that mm-hmm. uh, is green and has low carbon footprint, et cetera, et cetera. And they talked about how this is important to them and their business and blah, blah, blah. So you can just see from reading their um, announcement here that 
it is important that they are on a proof of stake chain. Uh, so Ethereum obviously making a good move here doing this because we have probably the biggest, one of the biggest companies uh, that is going to be using NFTs now uh, in a very big way. I think that's going to bring a lot of, I'm assuming a lot of people are going to be collecting a lot of NFTs here. Uh, and they're worried about what? One is, is the user experience. So making sure that people don't even have to create a wallet. They don't even know it's an mm -hmm. NFT. Um, they don't mm -hmm. even know it's on blockchain for the most part. Uh, and then they care that it's green, right? They care that it's on um, uh, green technology. So some big takeaways there. Uh, very exciting. Are you going to be taking and doing the quest, Jay? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think I will purely to experience something yeah. new. I think all of us, to be honest, all of us should be doing this stuff because if you're a builder in web three, you've got to be trying out everything. And the only way you learn is by participating and playing. Right. Uh, well, it's actually only and, in the United States, so we can't do it anyway. Oh, what? Rugged again, rugged again. I see it right Freaking there. It says United States Canada, only. Canada, rugged again. <laughs> uh, well, if you are in the US as of uh, September 12th, uh, which was just a few days ago, you can sign up for the wait list. Uh, I don't think the program... The Starbucks Odyssey launches yes. until later this year. Uh, yeah, later this year it launches, but you can get on the wait list. We'll put the link for that in the show notes. Uh, yeah, I think that the few big takes that I have from this are this is a this is Web3 at scale that we have mm. not seen yet, right? Like this is, I don't know how, I know that Starbucks loyalty program is one of the biggest in the world. Uh, I don't know exactly how big it is in terms of how many millions of users, but millions of users are on it. So you're talking about the potential for millions of people to onboard to Web3. And as you said, they're not, this, this press release that we're looking at uses the word NFT, uses the word blockchain. But if you go into Starbucks marketing materials for this, they are not using the word NFT. They're not using the word blockchain. And they're, uh, they're going to onboard millions of people to Web3 that don't even necessarily understand the back end. And that's fine. You don't need to know the back end. You just need to know the functionality. I think the other great part about this to me is I used to use Starbucks and used to be a quite an avid Starbucks drinker. Uh, and I still probably have points somewhere. Now I can't, these, Different, my points yeah. are not going to transfer over to this, but it would be nice if you were a user of something and then you stopped being a user, if you could go sell your reward points. And in this case, if there's a marketplace, there's the potential to trade and to sell them. Okay. I was just going to ask, I was going to say why. So if no one knows it's an NFT and that's on the blockchain, it's not really an open thing. Like you don't even have a wallet. So it's all within Starbucks. Why well, even, but, why even make an NFT then? Well, why not just because, do it? But this gets into, okay, so you build your, Starbucks is going to build their own ecosystem, right? So they're going to have their own marketplace. So right. you can stay within Starbucks. You can go into the marketplace. Maybe, maybe you can't, I would assume you could sell and I would assume you could trade in the marketplace. And so- we'll see. Or maybe that's like an eventual plan. I guess the maybe. other thing is this, the other big unlock here that I think we don't get is if not using Polygon, which is an existing way to, it's an existing database, then they have to go and build their own royalty programs database to store all this data, secure yeah. all the data and manage all that, which means they need data centers and they need you know all these people. Whereas it already exists on a blockchain uh, in a way that just won't go down. It, 
it's just, it's like hundred percent uptime, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so they can just go and use this existing one. So it actually saves them a ton of money building out this royalty program um, and a ton of risk as well, because it's more secure, can't get hacked. Um, so I guess maybe that's also part why, um, but think, yeah, maybe they're going to open it up. One other thing too, I think is let's think longer term. Once we get into the metaverse, think right. about what this data being on chain does for a metaverse experience. So right, now right. you can start to create social experiences within the metaverse for your users who have certain numbers of stamps or who are using their stamps at the same time. You know, that I think that is also the there's a longer term play there with the ability to connect in the metaverse. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I guess same with like Robinhood when they introduced allowing you to use crypto, you could only do it within Robinhood, but then eventually they allowed you to send it, you know, out to your own personal wallet and on a non-custodial version. Mm -hmm. uh, and so like, and now they're creating their own actual wallet. So like it was a phased approach and maybe Starbucks doing the same kind of thing, which mm -hmm. makes complete yeah. sense. Um, so this is interesting. So, okay, we just talked, we have Starbucks, one of the biggest loyalty or rewards programs in the world is now using NFTs. We have Instagram and Facebook. Okay, so not NFTs, sorry, stamps. Then you have Instagram and Facebook, <laughs> the two biggest social apps in the world for the most part, um, which is integrating NFTs, calling it digital collectibles. So huge, huge. We had Ticketmaster, right? The biggest like ticket uh, ticketing program in the world, which is starting to integrate NFTs. Uh, and now we have Google, which is the biggest monopoly in the world. I don't even know, you know it's just the biggest everything. Uh, but biggest hub for like developers and all that kind of stuff. Um, they create anything and everything. And they are now have partnered with the Ronin Network and Sky Mavis. So if you remember, uh, we haven't talked with them a lot uh, in a while, but Ronin Network is the network that runs and hosts Axie Infinity, which was the big mm -hmm. Web3 game uh, based off NFTs um, and tokens. Uh, mm -hmm. was a really big like 2021 uh, and even I think 2020 a little bit, um, but it really took off 2021. So anyway, um, they built their own blockchain because it was not scalable enough on Ethereum and that's called the Ronin network. And it has its own validators to secure the network. And they have just partnered with Google Cloud. Uh, Google Cloud is obviously a, a massive organization. So their team is now running a validator uh, for the Ronin network. So it's securing the blockchain of Ronin. Uh, so that is super, super cool. It's a big partnership. Uh, and it shows that Google is taking blockchain seriously, so mm -hmm. much so that they want to be involved in um, the Ronin network, which is one of the biggest uh, NFT marketplaces with the most volume, I think, or sorry, not volume, um, transactions, I believe. Most transactions, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so a big play, Sky Mavis, Ronin, obviously a big player in the blockchain space and, and in gaming, they have plans to make many games. Uh, and Google Cloud sees that or Google sees that. And so they're kind of integrating themselves into that, which is uh, which is pretty cool. So is this, let me ask you a question here. Is this Google experimenting with validating? I think so. So Do Google's you think plan- that they might validate other blockchains in the future? Probably. So Google's plan is not to create front-facing like user- um, applications with blockchain. They came out a while ago and said that they want to create tools to enable developers to build on top of the blockchain. Mm. And so I think like they're not trying to build the nice app and, and the thing like, like what Instagram is doing with digital collectibles or what Starbucks doing. Mm -hmm. Instead, mm -hmm. they're taking the backend route of like, how can we enable 
the development of this stuff and really like push forward blockchain from the back end kind of things. And which so we I think need. This, we need we a need lot for of that. Sure. <laughs> and so I think this is their first sort of play at that, which is, hey, let's mm. go in and run a validator and actually start securing yeah. a blockchain here, uh, which is a business. They make money doing that. Um, yep. And I'm sure it just integrates them more into the system because they probably want to learn more about how this is all working and what's going on. Um, so yeah, I don't know where this technically goes, but I don't see why most companies aren't like eventually running a validator for Ethereum and other blockchains, right? right? Like totally, totally um, makes yeah. complete sense. Well, and and as we move from online to on chain, you know, the amount of you know AWS, Google Cloud, uh, Cloudflare, like all these large uh, server-based companies that provide us all the data storage for the online world. You know they're going to want to start to play in the on the block the on chain world too. So right. I think it'd be interesting to see. We should check out if AWS is doing this yet because I would assume that they're thinking about it too. Yeah, maybe. So Google's actually doing a few things in the web in the blockchain and Web three world. So they also had um, the Ethereum merge countdown. This got went pretty viral on Twitter over the last couple of days, uh, where you could literally just Google Ethereum merge, and they had a countdown, like a live countdown, to when the merge is going to happen, showing when the uh, when the actual block is that it's going to merge at, and they had the black and the white panda coming together as the time went down and then eventually like how, <laughs> that's like the big theme of, of ETH is, is, uh, is merging this. And um, so there was actually a, a, someone from Google who tweeted this out and he says, oh, this was built by my team. And so what we're seeing here is sort of Google, and I don't know if they're doing this tactically or if this is just different parts of their organization that just happens to be doing this, but it's like, they're not doing the big splash thing like Instagram and Facebook, but they're like, mm -hmm. hey, we're going to support here. We're going to put this little fun snippet in here. So it's like, it looks like they are trying to warm up the Web3 community, mm -hmm. you know, because mm -hmm. obviously there's a lot of people like, oh, we need to get rid of companies like Google. And so Google's like, hey, we're supporting here. We're supporting here. And it's like, I don't know. We'll see where they go with it. But I just, I get this feeling that they have something they're doing uh, and they're just trying to like, Give us little tidbits, you know, as we go, just to like keep us a little bit happy. We'll, well see. Spe speaking about getting rid of Google, we just wrote an article uh, <laughs> which was released yesterday about how Web3 should build decentralized search engines, uh, which would take over Google. So I think there is, there, there's, there's two sides to this, right? Uh, and, and I won't go deep into this, go read this article because it really talks about the power that Google has and the problems that are a result of that power. Uh, one of the uh, guests that we had on the podcast pre previously talked about how his company got completely rugged by Google. So we should create decentralized search engines. And that's something that everybody should understand, particularly if you're in the SEO space, go give that a read. Well, this was the craziest thing that I learned writing this article uh, was... Four, there's 4.8 billion people on the internet. Mm -hmm. 4.3 billion people use Google. 4.3 billion people. I was like, what? I knew it was a lot, but that is crazy. Uh, and so the power they have is, is, is wild. And so in the article, we didn't actually say like, we got to get rid of Google, but we said we can disrupt Google and either Google's going to have to disrupt itself or maybe Web3 incentives and tools can do it yeah. for them. Uh, and uh, it's basically just aligning everyone that uses the search engine via tokens and things like that. There's more of a hypothetical discussion, um, but there are some uh, companies that are actually already doing this or playing around with it anyway. So watch out, Google, we're coming for you.
<laughs> you and your 4.3 billion users. <laughs> yeah. Just, just, just give us a few. Just give us a few. <laughs> uh, Brian Armstrong tweets out, this is the CEO of Coinbase. I absolutely love what they're doing here. So this is super cool. So he tweets out, starting today, Coinbase will begin integrating our crypto policy efforts right into our app. These will help our 103 million verified users get educated on the crypto positions held by political leaders where they live. So check this mm. out. If you're on Coinbase, you can now go into the application and you can search through all of the different Senates and House members. And it mm -hmm. has their picture, their name, um, and at, what is this, their district. And then it has a rating on if they are negative or positive towards crypto. So this tells you who you should be voting for in your district if you want Web3 and crypto to be the future. This is absolutely this is, amazing. This is <laughs> awesome. So where is where is Coinbase getting this data from? Like they're they're giving a, a rating for the crypto sentiment of each one of these Senate right. or House members. So Coinbase probably has the biggest group of let's call it like U.S. policy efforts or lobbyists in mm -hmm. of anything, right? Uh, it's massive. They have tons of lawyers, tons of lobbyists, a whole team dedicated specifically to ensuring good policy in the United States. And so, and this is all across the United States. So they have done their research for a while on this and have been acting on it and lobbying and trying to figure out where to put funds, et cetera. And I think what they came to realize was, well, we have all this information. Why are we keeping it private? Let's just share this with anyone and everyone. And what better way to do this than to just throw in our app to 103 million people, uh, which I don't know if that's 103 million that are in the US specifically, because if it is, that's a third mm. of the population almost. That would um, be crazy. So, right? So that's super cool. So, I mean, it's great marketing for them because uh, a bunch of people are going to want to go and see this. And so where do you get that information? Well, you go to the Coinbase app. So cool. And I mean, I don't know, this could make a big difference, right? Uh, I'd be scared if I was a Senate that was opposing crypto or Web3 right now because, well, we can see it right here. And people in crypto are very loud and they take action, right? We are mm -hmm. on the forefront of technology. Um, we don't sit around and just let shit happen. We're, we're trying to build a parallel universe here. We're trying to shape the future. And so you got a target on your back now if you're, a, if you're against crypto Web3 and you're in the Senate or the House. Watch out. I, what I love about this too is in, in this tweet from Brian Armstrong, he says, crypto advocacy is very important for our mission of increasing economic freedom in the world and Coinbase will do its part to help. But the crypto community is much bigger than Coinbase. Hopefully mm -hmm. we can all rally to engage elected leaders and drive sensible policies. That is, it couldn't be more true. And I think it brings up the imp very important point, which I think we talk a lot, a lot here and probably should discuss more is everybody needs to get involved because regulation is coming. There is a lot of research being done and a lot of policies that are being written right now. And when that happens, there is an opportunity for you as a voter to get involved, for you to put up your hand, for you, not, and not just by where you put your vote. There's also going to be a lot of opportunity for, you know, there's so many committees right now from all levels of government, they're trying to learn. And most of these committees, they're not crypto native, they're not Web3 native. You know, these are people who don't know anything about NFTs or about crypto, and they're trying to learn. And so if you have any opportunity to get involved and to give your opinion and to help these people learn, because they're the ones that are going to set the legislation that's going to affect us for the next 
20, 30, 100 years. You know what's really gives me some hope for all of this is so in the end of um, the metaverse book by Matthew Ball, great book, by the way, um, he talks about the reason that the internet is an open protocol is almost exclusively because of the US government. They are the ones that fought mm. and created the committees that made the standards for the internet protocol. Mm. Uh, so if it wasn't for the US government, it might not, I mean, I don't know, who knows how it could have went, but he's like, there's a good chance that we would have had actually just multiple internets. And so like you sometimes might've had to like mm -hmm. get on a different network to go and use a yep. certain site, kind of like what we have to do now with blockchains. Um, and so hopefully, I mean, but here's the thing, the, the US government also tried to shut down the internet in the, in the beginning. And then we fought <laughs> for it. And like when Napster happened, this was a big problem. And, and even before that, and so like, it just took some time for them to learn. And um, yeah, I don't know, this gives me a little bit of hope. We'll see. Yeah, no, I totally agree. All right, switching gears to NFTs, or should we say SFTs? Oh God. Last, last week oh, on the God. show, we talked about saying exactly, brace yourself for more lingo being rammed down your throat that is very difficult to understand. So we'll try to keep you up to date on it all. Last week, we talked about, uh, FX Hash, which is one of the leading generative art marketplaces, launched FX Text. FS Text is their publishing uh, platform where you can publish an article, but you can publish it on the blockchain so somebody can collect that article and eventually possibly somebody could trade or sell that article. If you're an author, you could put a price on an article. Uh, and what FX Hash did was they believed that it was really important that the creator of articles, because articles is different than art, that they'd be able to edit it. Uh, and so they built into the smart contract this ability to edit these articles, and they called it a semi-fungible token. And so we talked about that last week, and I went about my way and was like, oh, that's what a semi-fungible token is. Interesting. You can edit tokens. Okay. In the last week, I have been re-educated and have learned that, A, I've learned the there is no consortium that decides what these labels are and what the true definition is. And so semi-fungible token is actually already being used mainly by the gaming industry to define something very different. And I think this is more likely when you refer to a semi-fungible token, this is what people are referring to. Uh, and it actually led to a great conversation uh, about semi-fungible tokens, which with Michael Sanders, who's one of the co-founders of Horizon, which has created one of the biggest blockchain games, Skyweaver, that is, we are publishing that conversation next week. So check that out. But let me just give you the, that will be, if you really want to dive deep into this, go listen to that show. But let me give you this sort of Cole's notes on this. Okay, so we have two types of tokens. We have ERC-20 tokens, which are fungible tokens. And then we have ERC-721 tokens, which are non-fungible tokens, okay? Then what happened was, as game developers were starting to create games, they realized that they needed another type of token because when you're in a game, very often in a game, you might have, let's say you have a shovel in your game, okay? You don't need, if you had a fungible version of that shovel, 
Well, then there would be there there would be I don't know, hundred thousand, a million of that shovel, right? But often in a game, you want to limit supply of something. Okay. So if you had a non-fungible version of that shovel, well, that's just confusing. You don't need, you know, a thousand one of one versions of a shovel. Then you get into this like conversation of like, what's the difference between each one of those shovels? Is one more valuable than the other one? It gets really confusing when you start to want to like trade and have a marketplace and you want to sell those shovels. So what the game needs is the game needs a semi-fungible shovel, which means they have 1,000 shovels where they're all the exact same. So all 1,000 shovels have the exact same price. They can be traded evenly, one for one, but there's a cap on it. You're creating a collection the same way you do with an NFT, where you create a collection of a certain item and that's what a semi-fungible token is and that is comes so they from the always have the same they, they always have the same value those thousand exactly. shovels for example they always have the same value yes so but yeah. they go up or down to get so like their value Together. does go up or down but it goes ah interesting what yes yeah so it allows it and it makes tons of sense for games it allows games to have items within the game which you could have you could have one version of that, or you could have 10,000 versions of that. And the value of all of those stays the same. But how is that any different than a fungible token? Because my understanding is that a fungible token does not allow you to create it as a collection right. in the way the smart contract is written. You can't have a collection with a fungible token. Right, gotcha. Interesting. Well, we will continue to dive further, but first, Jay, thank you for admitting and saying, Hey, you know what? I wasn't fully correct about what I said cool. last week and you learned over the last week and came in and preached and taught us some more. So we'll continue to do this uh, on whatever the heck semi-fungible tokens are. That's, uh, what we do. That's what we do here at Web3 Academy. And let me tell you, I, I this happens all the time. No, <laughs> We're sure. always Lots learning. And, and if you ever, I mean, on that note, our listeners, if you ever catch us saying something wrong, please, yes, please tell us, us. let us know. Uh, we're not, we're by no means perfect. This space is moving and changing so fast. And so if you catch us saying something wrong, let us know. Or if you catch us saying something that you're not quite sure about, or you want more explanation on, let us know. Happy to dive deeper into things for you. We're, we're here for you guys. We do this for you. Hit us up on Twitter. <laughs> okay ford is also entering the metaverse with virtual automobiles and nfts uh so ford made an announcement this is still early uh in their in their plans they've just basically done a press release saying uh that they're going to do something and they filed something like i think it was like 20 different um 19 trademark applications uh, around virtual cars, around uh, virtual automobiles, all connected to their brand names like F-150 and uh, Explorer and all of, and Mustang and all of those. Um, and so we'll see what they do, but I think here's another example. Maybe these are semi-fungible tokens, right? Instead of being non-fungible, maybe Ford decides that, okay, you want to drive the 2024 F-150 in the metaverse, well, there's going to be 100,000 of them. 
right? And you want to buy one of those 100,000, you can buy one of those 100,000 and your avatar can roll around the metaverse in the F-150. It looks like they're going to have featuring non-fungible tokens and digital collectibles. I think that's the exact same thing. Uh, but that's what they say here in this article. Instagram would say it's the same thing. Can't be a digital collectible. Think... It's not an NFT. That's, uh, yeah. I think that's the truth. Getting getting right, into the whole, the language discussion is a whole other one. We'll have to, uh, Ra- Raul is making a Web3 dictionary right now. Our boy Raul, who runs all of our social media, he's making a Web3 dictionary. He's going to make sure you guys understand the language. LeBron, what's LeBron doing? LeBron James. The king, they say, of Ron the Ron. NBA Ron and Ron. one of the greatest athletes of our generation. Okay, LeBron James has partnered with Artifact, which is Nike's uh, Web3 play. And through this partnership, Artifact has updated the traits of one of their clone X. So this is very interesting. I was very getting into the technical side of this. Basically, so Artifact owns clone 7968 and they gave it an LBJ beard and a chosen one crown uh, to make it look like LeBron himself. And these traits are one of one. So they, they basically so clearly, updated their NFT. Now, did yeah. the picture itself update or was it just the the like traits here? The picture no, no, updated? This is- this they is did. the picture. Here's here's the before. The before it has no beard, and the after it has a beard, and yeah. also its skin color got darker to match LeBron's skin right. color. Yeah, I don't so, understand exactly how they did this. I mean, they own the NFT. They also own the collection. So, um, I mean, we are finding out, learning that NFTs are not as safe as we all thought they were, and the IP rights and all those things are not necessarily oh, as solid as we thought they were. Um, I do know that. So that they added the metadata. That's the traits here. And mm-hmm. so basically this is the same as like royalties and stuff where basically a marketplace just needs to either accept or not accept the metadata. So you can change at any time. I know when we launched our NFT um, with Unlock Protocol, the one for our rabbit hole course, mm-hmm. um, we could update our metadata multiple times before or after we minted as well. Um, I don't know about changing the picture, but I think that's also just metadata. Um, so I don't know what the rules are and how, I mean, there's no rule I'm sure, but just like, can you just change any image you want? If you created the collection, like we need to dive into that. We need to get someone on that can go into this technical stuff. Yeah. It's explaining. Because this is, this is, this is not just the, this is separate from IP rights. IP rights is a whole other thing. This is, yeah, this is like the, the technical side of, can you, can you, update and, and i guess it's the metadata it's not the on-chain data so yeah i'm we gotta we'll dive into it deeper for everybody at some point all right let's take a quick break of this episode to update you on what's going on with lens protocol we want you our friends to get your lens handle because we want to chat with you on lens on lenster on lens tube we're posting content on there and we want to in, uh, engage with you and we know that you guys have been you know waiting and wanting this and we're doing everything we possibly can to make this happen. If you can see up on our screen right now, we have our Web3 Academy profile from Lens Friends. And we are currently being followed by 55,000 people, uh, which we know is not 55,000 people. Um, we tried to like quietly do this last week by just saying it on the, on the podcast, on the YouTube. 
Uh, and I mean, we didn't have 55,000 people listen to the episode. So there's no possible no. way that 55,000 community members, we want this to be our community who gets the lens protocol handled, not every person in the world. But what's happening here, I think, is people are just creating hundreds of MetaMask wallets or accounts and then following us because they're expecting to get a lens protocol handle. Well, guess what? Sorry, uh, but we're not going to do that. Uh, and lens isn't either. So too bad. We absolutely get frustrated and hate when people try to take advantage of a situation. Super annoying is what it is for the real people that are listening to this. Um, we have a solution and it means you have to do one more step. And again, we are sorry for that, but uh, this time it will get you it. And if they spam us again, it doesn't matter because here's how this is going to work. We have posted something on Lenster, lenster.xyz. Uh, on our account. And it is a cool picture, a photo of Lens and Web3 Academy and just kind of showcasing our partnership, uh, given the NUX. So we love that. And what happens is on Lens, on Lens um, every post is an NFT. And so you can like it just like you could on you know Instagram. You can retweet it. They call it mirroring. Or you can collect it, which means you actually mint it as an NFT. And if you don't have a Lens protocol, as we said, you can follow us which everyone has already done, 55,000 of you. And that mints your follow as an NFT, which is super cool. Well, now what you can do is collect this as an NFT. And so what you have to do if you want to um, get whitelisted is you have to go collect this. Now, here's the catch. It costs one Matic for you to collect this. Now, I don't know what Matic's at, but I'm pretty sure it's under a dollar or somewhere around there anyway. Oh my gosh, um, yeah. So it's not a lot of money. We are not doing this because we want to make money. We are doing this because... Someone who signed up with 5,000 uh, accounts or 400 accounts or whatever is probably not going to pay that much. And if they do, cool, because here's what we're going to do is we're going to do one of two things and we will let the community decide. We are going to either donate any of the Matic that we get here to something, to the cause of our community's choice. So all of you here that are listening, we will put up a poll later on. Um, we're not sure where yet. We'll figure that out. And we will decide together collectively. It depends on how much we earn. Like if only 20 people do this, then I don't know. Uh, but we will donate. Or uh, we will convert the Matic into, I can't remember the name of the token, but there's like a carbon credit token where you can buy these and then you can just burn it. And basically you're burning carbon credits. And so you're, you're basically lowering the amount of carbon credits available uh, for companies and people to use. Um, so mm -hmm. doing something good for the world. So we're going to do one of those two things. But in order to do this, you have to go to the... Um, uh, to this post, which the link is in the show notes again. Um, and Jay's gonna show us here, Jay's logged into an account. Okay, so to collect this, all you're gonna do is go to the red button on the right underneath the post, click collect it's called. Got it, looks like uh, a couple boxes, red boxes on top of each other. Yeah, now you have to uh, allow yourself to collect first. Uh, and so you basically click the button and it's gonna make you do a transaction, just saying that you are able to do this. By the way, Lens Protocol is working on removing all of this stuff. So it'll be all under the hood eventually. They're still in beta. So that's why we have to deal with all of this. Um, and basically, once you've allowed yourself to collect, you can just go collect for one Matic or it might be wrapped Matic. It depends. Um, you'll see a W in front of the wrapped Matic if you need mm -hmm. that. If that's the case, you'll have to swap Matic into wrapped Matic, which you can just do on Uniswap for super cheap. Okay, so I've got my wrapped Matic. I'm ready to collect. I click the collect now button. And it will make I you send a transaction. Um, you also have to be following us. So use the wallet that you decided to follow us with, or you got to just go follow us, whatever. Um, mm -hmm. Because we're only allowing people to collect this who also follow us. 
again, the point here is we're trying to get this to our community only, people who are committed mm -hmm. to Web3 Academy, which is Jay. Jay is now a collector of this post. Uh, and so oh. that's all you have to do. Um, and I know it sucks. We're sorry, but um, it's the way she goes, right? Yeah, and I think it's uh, like we said. It's, it's let's make sure this goes to the right people. Not we don't need to get lens lens handles into the hands of a whole bunch of scammers who just want to profit and take advantage of it. We want to get it into the hands of people who are really using and doing in Web three, and we know that's you. Exactly. Okay, next up, LG has launched a new NFT marketplace called LG Art Labs. And you, this marketplace allows you to buy and sell NFTs from your TV, from your LG TV. Interesting. So there's certainly no shortage. And I mean, I think NFT marketplaces are going to be something that we're going to be talking about this probably every week for the next decade, because that is the manner in which people, the whole world is going to use NFTs, F to SFTs. I mean, shit, we're going to be talking about SFT marketplaces too, as if one marketplace isn't already enough. But in this case, LG is, they're creating their own marketplace and they're going to do it in a way that is so simple that you can do it from your TV because they want to allow you to access Web3 right from your TV. And it's going well, to utilize their new in-app wallet. Uh... Walipto wallet. Walipto. There's there's Wally, a brutal Walipto? What is that? Walipto. I was gonna say, have you that's, ever been I think on that's a browser crypto from... and wallet mixed together? Right. Have you ever been on like a, a an internet browser from your like on your TV? It's such a pain to like oh yeah move around and get around. It's like you gotta, this like... is gonna be the worst UX in the world. TV browser <laughs> plus like web three. I was like, no way. Uh, but yeah. maybe they'll find a way to like put it all under the hood using this wallet. We'll see what they do here, but. Uh, well, and, hope you, don't and the, the you know the other big thing this this connects to, which I think is is really a big a big part of the art side of Web three and of digital collectibles is okay. So you buy a you know a, a Damien Hurst piece of art as an NFT. Well, you want to show that off, right? You want that up on your wall. Well, all of the biggest producers of screens, TV screens computer monitors, those things, LG being one of the biggest of those are going to want to play in that space. And we're going to have computer screens right. around our house. So instead of having a, an art, a piece of art, you know, on your wall, you're going to have a TV, a TV screen and that TV screen is going to show your digital collectibles and you're going to want to be able to access the marketplace. And maybe you want to sell that or you want to buy a new one. So it's a good take. You can see how eventually the user experience makes a lot of sense. Right. Just gonna have TVs all over your wall and anytime you want, you can just go on, it's touch screen. You can just go on trade on OpenSea or whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, and then you're gonna be able to jump into your TV and jump into the metaverse, <laughs> which will be virtual reality. Uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's gonna blow your mind. Okay, Linux is launching a foundation to support the development of open source wallets. And I'm sure they won't let anybody call it a wallipto. Uh, this is really exciting <laughs> because this is called the Open Wallet Foundation. And one thing that we talk a lot about in this space is we need a lot of builders to create protocols and standards right now. Uh, and 
there's not a lot of money in that. It is difficult to create a business model for developing a standard. So what is happening is all the development of these standards and protocols are being developed on the side by the businesses as well. So it's like, you got to start a business, but at the same time, you also got to build, go build the infrastructure, like the blockchain digital infrastructure. And that's tough, right? If you're a startup, like that is very challenging. So the best way to do this is to do this through open source, to do it through community. You build in the open, you have a whole bunch of people who are also trying to create the same business. You come together and basically Linux foundation is going to facilitate that by funding a lot of these open source developments, particularly around wallets, because we know that wallets is really, that's the on-ramp to web three. So we need, we need, we need more wallets. We need wallets with the best. Better wallets. Better wallets. We need better UX in wallets. This brings up an interesting conversation. Kai, I know that you've, are you using Argent? Like there's all these smart wallets that are being used. And I don't know if you can explain the difference between like a regular wallet, uh, which I believe is an EOA wallet versus a smart wallet. Uh, so a smart contract wallet. I mean, I, I don't think I can explain the technical aspect of it, but Argent, for mm -hmm. example, everything I do is right in that wallet. So like I can use Aave and, but I don't know that I'm using Aave. I just like, mm -hmm. I can use the different, like I can um, stake my ETH in Lido, but I never have to go to Lido. I can just do it right in right. there. And it's right beside, like, let's say staking in Rocket Pool or whatever else. Like mm -hmm. they're pulling things from the protocols and all putting it right in there. And so I'm interacting with smart contracts and that without actually going and doing it, I'm just doing it all in my wallet. Uh, I also don't have a seed phrase there. So they get, they've completely got rid of the seed phrase thing, um, which is great. And That's you just huge. have like friends that can verify it if you, in case you lose your, your wallet, um, friends or family members, then you get to choose those. So really cool. Uh, and it's all in layer two. So everything is basically free. It's great. I mean, there's only a, you can't like use every application with it yet because it's still very, very new. But you, just using it, you're like, oh, whoa, okay, this is a way, way better experience. Uh, it feels like a typical Web2 app um, versus something like MetaMask where you're like, okay, what the heck's going on here, you know? The, the the seed phrase thing alone, I mean, if you go set up a wallet and at the same time, you have to understand and learn about seed phrases and your private keys, and then you have to figure out where you're going to store that and go through the stress of what happens if I lose this, like there's a non-starter for the onboarding right. of most people. So yeah, I think it also removes we, the layer of all these like signatures that you have to do. Mm -hmm, like you just had to do mm -hmm. it for when you minted or when you minted that um, uh, post on lens, those are all gone away and it's just native right mm -hmm. in the application as well. So you don't have to do all those kind of things. That's where this yeah. will go and is already starting to happen, but um, cool. I think we need to do wallets. a full deep, deep dive on wallets and the future of wallets and how that improves the UX. One day we shall. Okay, third web. Third web, which if you if you haven't used third web, if you are launching an NFT, third web is one of the best platforms to use for your smart contracts of NFTs. We are working with uh, some NFT uh, launches right now and we're writing their smart contracts and we're finding third web to be incredibly helpful, incredibly useful. So highly recommend it. Um, third web has here a tweet thread about how you can set up a subscription-based payment model for your Web3 app. So if let's say you had a Web3 app and 
one of the best ways, if you have a, an app, let's say you had a web two app, one of the best ways to develop your revenue is to have recurring revenue through subscriptions, right? That's how and that's every how business works. Amazon Prime, Netflix, uh, you probably work. have 20 subscriptions live right now, everyone. That's just how we do it. And so what this, this thread explains, and we'll link to, we'll link to it in the show notes is it explains how you can have a very simple user journey where the user signs in with a wallet, pays the subscription using Stripe. So it can use Fiat to pay the subscription. And then the Web3 wallet is used to access this restricted product. And because you're using Stripe, you can use Stripe's recurring payment setup. And that's, mm. that connection between Stripe and your wallet ensures that if they stop paying the recurring payment, then they no longer get access to the content. What's great product. here is you're using the wallet as your identity, essentially. So you don't mm. have to create an account. You just, your wallet is not your payment. So using the word wallet is actually probably not the best idea here, but essentially your wallet is your login. It's your identity login. to give you that. Yeah. And, and then you're not even touching crypto. You're just using credit card and purchasing something the same way as you normally do. You're just not having to create an account with a password because you already have one with your MetaMask or whatever wallet you try to do. Um, so it's just connecting your identity to the app. But again, you can always disconnect from any time. So that's actually really cool. I love that. Yeah, really. Um, also really because cool. subscriptions are coming, like reoccurring payments are already a thing using like Superfluid and Diagonal Finance, but it's very new. So it's still a bit of a clunky experience. So like if you're trying to build a product where you want scale and you want the masses to sign up for it, like Netflix, for example, they're not going to use crypto subscription payments, right? Or NFT payments. Mm -hmm. It's just mm -hmm. not there yet for the masses, but this is where you could use a wallet and still have the ease of the fiat subscription service. That's cool. All right. Time, time for NFT of the month, Kai. Hit him with it. You ready? Our NFT of the month is DigiDaiku. DigiDaiku. What is that? Everybody want to say that? Say that five times fast. <laughs> DigiDaiku? Daiku. DigiDaiku. Yeah. DigiDaiku. Tell me uh, more. It looks like so Four price 6.5 ETH. Wow. Four price. So DigiDaiku launched as let me just give you some context here. Uh 2022 unique NFTs. Clearly a shout out to the year 2022. Uh launched on Ethereum. Launched August 9th, I believe. So about a, about a month ago and was a free to mint and has wow. over the last month become, I think it's number seven on most volume traded uh, NFTs over the last month. It's traded uh, almost 7,000 ETH over the last month, which actually in, in a bear market, 7,000 ETH is a lot. Uh, in, in a bull market, that would have been nothing in a month. But in, in, a, bear, in a bear market, that's a lot. And current floor price is 6.5 ETH. And this was free to mint. And okay, so why are we highlighting DigiDaiku uh, as our favorite NFT? Well, our NFT of the month, it's your for a couple favorite. Reasons. I haven't decided yet if this is my favorite. You time. haven't decided. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, you tell me then how you feel about it after, after we go through it here. So first off, we love the founder. Shout out to the founder. We're going to talk about why we love him. Uh, Gabe is his name. Second, we love 
the way they're innovating in the space. They're expanding on the ER721 token with a new modification, a new standard to that token, which allows uh, more gameplay. And third, the way they are building community. So let me just talk about each one of those. So first, what got this, the reason this NFT did so well and what got a lot of attention is it was launched by Limit Break. Limit Break is founded by uh, Gabe Layden or Lighten and Halbert, I don't know how to say his last name, Nakagawa, Nakagawa. Now, Gabriel Layden is, seems to be the more the front-facing founder. And uh, both these guys are very well-known in the Web2 gaming world. Uh, they've launched some really big games. They've they founded Machine Zone, uh, which I'm not a gamer, and Kai, I know you're not a gamer either. Machine Zone is a big gaming company from Web2. It's created really successful games like Mobile Strike and Fear of God uh, and some other ones. So, so they had a, a really strong track record. They're well-known. So when they came out with this, this NFT, it got a lot of attention. Um, and I think what, what first clued me into this NFT was... Uh, there was a, a tweet going around that it was the first time that Steve Aoki had made money off of an NFT. Mm. Uh, and there's all these Steve Aoki jokes that if that. Steve Aoki buys your NFT, that your NFT is screwed because his, if you go look up his wallets on the blockchain, he's like done terribly with his NFT investments. <laughs> it's like Jim Cramer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, at least, at least Steve Aoki makes great music. Unlike Jim Cramer who just yells at his <laughs> screen all day. Uh, so, um, so Gabe is really the founder is just, just a, a fantastic thinker. And he's got a, um, a, a podcast that he released that actually just came out, uh, like, I think like yesterday, that's really great. Highly recommend listening to it. Uh, but it's, he is an example of how a deep thinker can create web three products in the open. Uh, and so there's two things that he talks, talks about that I find really interesting. Kyle, I want to get your take on both of these. Um, first is this concept that everybody is saying that the UX is so bad in web three right now, rather than his take is that that's a good thing, that that's where you want to be. So he uses the example of he, if, if he were to create a time machine, a time travel machine, and it had the worst UX in the world, there would still be millions of people lining up to use it, right? Mm -hmm. Because that product is a product that the market wants. There's a massive product market fit. And so he spent his time in, in Web2 Game and he basically said he got to the point where all you were doing was tinkering with like pixels and buttons and changing UX. He's like, that's boring. There's no innovation in that. The real innovation is in the space where the UX is terrible. And that is, if you have a space where you have bad UX and VC money is still flowing there and, and so is all the attention, that's you know you probably, not, good. That's probably yeah, nothing good. as we would say, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So so that's that was that was the first thing he talked about, which I just thought was just such a great take. It's like, like going yes. to a restaurant that has a long lineup and shitty service, but you still go anyway because the product, right. the food is so damn good. That's Web three. Exactly. <laughs> that is that is exactly Web three. Or the right. other example is Craigslist. Craigslist has the just 
like the worst looking product. Like right. there is nothing impressive about Craigslist. Craigslist has 10 employees and they did over 600 million in revenue last year. Well, it's because it works. People love it. So that was the first take. The other take he had is, and Kai, you mentioned Matthew Ball's Metaverse book and you just finished reading that. So this will be a take that I think you will like is he talks about how the ultimate dream of the internet and more so the metaverse is having everybody on the screen at the same time. So connecting us on screen. So rather than us being disconnected when we're online right now, which we are, the only way we are connected online right now is if we either connect through a social media and we chat or we connect on Zoom, but we're all online. How many, you know, a, what, several billion people are on the internet right now? 4.8 billion, not, remember? But we're not connected to them, right. right? Unless we take the extra step. Well, the view of the metaverse is that we will be able to connect because it'll make it more fun and more social, right? So the example is, let's say, let's say I'm shopping on, on nike.com and Kai, you're also shopping on nike.com. Currently, we don't know it, right? There's no, there's no way for us to know that we're both there. Well, mm. the metaverse should connect us, right? right so that right. we both know that we're shopping there. And now all of a sudden, we get to share in that experience. Hey, what are you looking at? It's as if we're at a store, right? right. Like, and we bump oh, into check each out, other. Check out these shoes. Like, oh, I'm looking at these shoes too. Oh, what do you think? Like, oh, let me put them on my avatar. Do they look good on me? Do they look good on you, right? Yeah, that's actually great. So, yeah, I think that that, uh, that, that is, a, that is a, an area and, a, and a, that gets into a whole conversation and we won't dive into this conversation right now, but like how many people are trying to fix that problem, right? Of right. making sure that we can all connect online. Okay, so love the founder, love the project too. Let me tell you about the project. So uh, the project is obviously a gaming pro project. And what the project did is there's this, this tweet that Gabriel released. He says in this tweet, if for those who did some research through our new Adventure ERC721 token, which we released with DigiDaiku Spirits, we thought we would give a more in-depth ex explanation of what we, where we're going with the new Adventure Quest system. And then there's a screenshot of a whole bunch of, uh, of code. And... Basically, I'll link to this uh, in, we'll link to this in the show notes, but essentially what they're doing here is they have created a new standard where you can interact with your, you can use your NFT to interact with a game and this Adventure ERC721 standard can then enable your token to be up upgraded or changed or manipulated as a result of what you do in the game. So you could, if you take certain actions in the game, your token could be burned. If you take certain actions in the game, your token could be staked. While you're using the game, it could require you to stoke your, stoke your to stake, stoke, stake your token while you're using the game so that then you can't go trade or sell it because like that token is interacting in the game. But what's really cool is you don't necessarily have to engage in this. So like, let's say you just want to be a collector. Well, you can just leave your NFT as a collector NFT. 
But then once you take certain actions to involve yourself in the gameplay, okay, now this new standard comes in and says, oh, okay, this NFT is involved in the gameplay. Okay, we're going to update it and we're going to update the, the token as a result of your actions there. So really, really interesting for the manner in which gameplay and games are going to interact with with NFTs and what's so it's like dynamic, like it can it's, it can be exactly upgraded or maybe downgraded, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like essentially, once you opt in, the smart contract can 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 change, can manipulate. I think what's, what's interesting here that we're learning, and I mean, we just talked about semi fungible tokens, and now this adventure ERC seven twenty one, which is kind of like a dynamic NFT, it seems like uh, of some sort. But it's it's. I think what I'm learning is we're think there's going to be so many new standards that come out, mm -hmm. right? It's mm -hmm. not just ERC twenty, ERC seven twenty one. That's the unlock of the last couple of years. There's going to probably be so many of these different standards um, yeah. that are all going to come out and all going to enable different things. And that's the cool thing about smart contracts is they're programmable, and we can build in all these cool different things. Um, and uh, and so we'll see some of them will work. Some of them will be great. Some of them will not be so great. Uh, and that's the idea of building in the sandbox. And so it's really, really cool that this project's doing that. And they're kind of creating a whole new standard, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, completely. That's exactly it. The other thing I love about this project uh, quickly is I love the way they are building in the open. So here's a tweet from the founder. He says, if we were to buy a big TV ad for Digital Daiku, what should we do with the commercial? He's asking, he says, obviously I have some ideas. I'm just curious what you think. And his follow-up tweet was, is what's funny is the responses are better than what you'll get from prestigious ad agencies. Hmm. He says he's had world famous ad agencies tell him what they should do and their ideas are garbage. Whereas the community <laughs> has great ideas, right? So love seeing that. Uh, highly recommend following Gabe on Twitter. Highly recommend following this project. It's going to be really cool to see what they build. They just launched their Discord, and I love this. In when they launched their Discord, they have Digi points that you can get in their Discord, and they talked about again. He asked on Twitter, "What should you have to do to get Digi points?" He wanted feedback. Well, they decided the only way to get Digi points is to make memes. That's the only way. <laughs> love it. Which love which it. is great, right? Branding, get everybody making memes. That's that's what a project needs. That's how you build community, meme culture. Meme. But fun memes are fun. Let's do yeah. it together. Why not? I love it. And use user generated content. Everyone loves generating content. Memes are easy. Yeah, it's uh, so shout out DigiDaiku, shout out Gabriel Layden. Thanks for being great builders in the space. You are the NFT of the month. You. Wow, what a week! What a week! That's a wrap on the the weekly roll up. Thanks so much for everybody for listening in. Have yourself a great weekend. And we'll be back with you next week with more news. It's never a shortage of news in Web3. Keep on doing, keep on building. Love you guys. Thank you for listening to Web3 Academy. We hope this helps you along your Web3 journey. And if it does, please share this episode and subscribe so you don't miss the next one. Nothing in this podcast was financial advice. Crypto and Web3 can be risky. You can literally lose it all. In fact, if you invest on account of what we say, you probably will lose it all. So don't do that. In all honesty, the point of this podcast is to remove the noise of markets and price and focus on utility and implementation anyway. So you should not take any of this as financial advice. Thank you, friends, and see you in the next one.